Welcome to Transformed by Grace, an in-depth Bible study of God's Word, presented by the Berean Bible Society. Join us each time on this station as Pastor Kevin brings the transforming message of God's grace revealed through the Holy Scriptures. Reading a book about prayer, listening to lectures, and talking about it is very good, but it won't teach you to pray. You get nothing without exercise, without practice. I might listen for a year to a professor of music playing the most beautiful music, but that won't teach me to play an instrument. It is God's will for our lives that prayer be our priority, our passion, and our practice Under grace, we are called to pray, and we are called to pray all the time and to pray about everything. And as we strive to be conformed to Christ's image and to have a Christ-like walk in life, we should pray. 1 Corinthians 11.1 teaches the body of Christ to follow Paul as he followed Christ. As Paul followed Christ, he was a man of prayer because our Savior was a man of prayer. We see this in the gospel records. Matthew 14:23 says, And when Christ had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. On a separate occasion, Luke 6:12 reads, And it came to pass in those days that he went out into a mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. In Luke 11:1 1, it says, And it came to pass that as Christ was praying in a certain place when he had ceased, One of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. The entire chapter of John 17 is a moving priestly prayer of Christ for his disciples. And as we know, in the Garden of Gethsemane, our Lord intensely prayed in the shadow of the cross. The Apostle Paul's letters of grace for today are filled with prayer. His letters contain his prayers for the saints, and they have instruction about prayer for the church under grace. Now, we are taught and we learn by example. And by the example of Paul's prayers as he followed Christ, we are taught how to pray under grace. Just the amount that the subject comes up and how much Paul prays in his letters teaches us how prayer needs to be a priority in our lives in this dispensation of grace. And a major theme to Paul's prayers that we find in his letters is spiritual growth. And he he prayed for others to come to the full knowledge of the truth for today. In Philippians chapter 1 verses 9 through 11, the Apostle Paul writes the Philippian church, And this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment, that ye may approve things that are excellent, that ye may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ, unto the glory and praise of God. Paul prays for the Philippian church here, and he has four prayer requests for them, and they all build on one another. The first is that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. The second is that ye may approve things that are excellent. Third, that ye may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. Fourth, is being filled with the fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ. Paul's 
prayer for them is not wealth, comfort, or freedom from trouble. It's much deeper and more meaningful than that. Paul had written in verse 6 that he was confident that God who had begun a good work in the Philippians would perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. So Paul knew that God was at work in each of their lives and he prays for their continued growth and spiritual progress. And he prays that their love would abound more and more. And really that's a call to become more and more like Christ because Christ is love. He is the picture of God's perfect love. He defines what love really is, what love does, and what love means. The love Paul desired for the Philippians is a fruit of the Spirit. It is the result of his working in our lives, and he produces it uh, in us through spiritual growth and through growth in our relationship with the Lord. Thus, as Paul prays that their love would abound more and more in them, it is a prayer, actually, for them to grow closer and closer to the Lord. The word abound in the original Greek is in the present active and means to superabound. And, uh, and it means to keep on overflowing in a perpetual flood of love. God desires for His love to superabound and overflow in our lives, for it to overflow in great abundance toward others, toward those around us in life, our families, friends, co-workers, our church, and to all people. But this is not just emotion, feeling, or sentimentality. It's God's agape love. It's love in action. Willingly, sacrificially, giving ourselves to others and serving others. And Paul didn't want a limit or to the quantity or to the quality of their love. He wanted their love to abound and overflow and grow more and more. But Paul also prayed that this abounding love be based in knowledge. Paul wanted intelligent love, not just blind affection. He wanted tangible biblical love based in knowledge, founded on doctrinal and practical truth in God's Word. Frank Gabeline, a commentator, wrote this, Spiritual knowledge gained from an understanding of divine revelation enables the believer to love what God commands and in the way He reveals. In God's Word, we see and we learn of the depth, the height, the breadth, and length of God's love. Our love is to be as the love of God revealed to us in the Word. We're to live out the Word, which reveals what God's love is and which shows us what true love is and does. Paul wanted the church to grow in love according to the Word of God, to love with God's love. And so, for our love to abound yet more and more, that's, this is really a call for us to know God, to know His Word more and more. And so the prayer is really a call to abound in love by growing in the Word of God. Paul also says we're to abound in love in all judgment, he says, which speaks of spiritual discernment and perception. We're to abound in love based on spiritual knowledge and with spiritual perceptiveness, perceiving what it means to our lives. It's been said about this verse that knowledge is knowing, judgment is knowing what to do about knowing. Having spiritual knowledge combined with spiritual discernment, perception, and insight, this combination teaches us that 
we'll live out the word. We'll properly apply it to our lives. And as a result of applying God's word, our love will abound, will abound and our lives are going to be transformed by God's grace. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 10 says, That ye may approve things that are excellent, that ye may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. Having spiritual knowledge and spiritual discernment, Paul prays for the church to approve things that are excellent. Now again, Paul's prayer is like a building block. For love to abound, it must be in knowledge or knowing the word. Knowing the Word, we must be spiritually discerning of its truths to apply it to our lives. Knowing and applying the Word, our love will abound. Now, with the spiritual knowledge and spiritual discernment, we must approve things that are excellent. In our last episode, we saw how Paul taught the church to pray for the unbelieving because his 1 Timothy 2.4 says, God desires all men to be saved. But the rest of that verse says that God also desires all people to come unto the knowledge of the truth. And this is something you find Paul praying for throughout his letters. And that is what his prayer is here for the Philippians and for the entire church, the body of Christ. The word approve means to try, analyze, examine, prove, to test something for the purpose of approving it. The word excellent comes from a word that means to differ, to carry two ways, to carry different ways. So the verse has been and can be translated to try or test the things that differ. And here at the Brain Bible Society, we have a book with that title, Things That Differ by Cornelius R. Stan. With spiritual knowledge and spiritual insight, we are to try the things that differ. We are to try the things that differ in relation to the dispensational distinctions and the two programs and two hopes found in God's Word. In the Word, we do find things that differ. We find things that are meant for another dispensation, things meant for another program, things meant for the nation of Israel, and, and then also things meant for us, the church, the body of Christ. And here's some examples of that. James says that a man is justified by works and not faith only. Paul says we're justified by faith. Mark says that he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Paul says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. That salvation is not of works. Matthew says to forgive others in order to be forgiven. Paul says to forgive because we already are forgiven. God's Word clearly teaches about an earthly, eternal kingdom hope of heaven established on the earth. And Paul teaches about a heavenly kingdom and heaven above and a heavenly hope. Matthew says, whatever we ask in prayer believing, we will receive. Paul says, we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, and that the Spirit makes intercession for us according to the will of God. The Word speaks of the second coming of Christ after the tribulation. Paul speaks of a secret coming of Christ before the tribulation. So which is true with all of these contrasts? All of it is true because it's the word of God. 
2 Timothy 2.15 teaches us to study, to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We need to rightly divide the word of truth. The Bible is all truth, but it is all not all truth written directly to us or for us to directly live by today under grace. With spiritual knowledge, spiritual discernment, we are called to approve, study, analyze, examine the Word of God, to find what is written directly to us, to approve the instruction and promises that are true for us, that we might properly live by the Word of God. So we try the things that differ that we might, as it's put here, approve the things that are excellent. That's not a bad way to translate it or to think about it. We need to test and approve the excellent things that we should live by for today. The excellent things that are in accordance with God's will and what He is doing today in the dispensation of grace. The reason we try the things that differ and rightly divide the Word is so that we rightly apply the Word and live lives of spiritual excellence at the highest level of devotion and obedience, so we might be strong in faith and full of fruit and good works and service for God's glory. And as we grow deeper into His Word, rightly divided with knowledge and discernment, we grow deeper in our knowledge of God, deeper in our knowledge of His love, and thus our love will abound yet more and more, as our knowledge and insights of Him travel from our heads to our hearts. We'll be returning to the program in just a minute. But first, we'd like to take this time to thank you, our partners, for making these programs possible. If you would like to access our library of helpful Bible study tools, go to BereanBibleSociety.org. Things That Differ, The Fundamentals of Dispensationalism is a paperback, 290-page book written by Pastor Cornelius R. Stamm. Those who struggle with rightly dividing the word of truth will find this volume most helpful. Pastor Stamm gives the readers an in-depth look at the major differences between prophecy and the mystery. Every believer should read this work. This book, more than any other, has been used to bring people to an understanding of the distinctive ministry of the Apostle Paul. To order your copy, contact the Berean Bible Society for pricing and availability at 262-255-4750 or visit our website at www.bereanbiblesociety.org. To receive our free full-color 32-page monthly magazine, The Berean Searchlight, call 262-255-4750 or subscribe online at www.bereanbiblesociety.org. Thank you again for your generous gifts. And now, back to the teaching with Pastor Kevin. Paul's building block prayer continues in verse 10. Paul prayed that our love abound based on knowledge and discernment of God's Word. And our love abounds more and more when with the knowledge and discernment we approve and live by the excellent things of God's will for the church under grace. Paul's prayer is that as we do all of this, 
that we may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. That word sincere means to be judged by sunlight and found pure. It's got an interesting word picture to it. And it said that dealers in pottery in Paul's day would fill the cracks in a defective piece of pottery with wax, which would be concealed by paint or a glaze. But wise buyers of pottery would then hold the vessel up to the sunlight to see if there were any flaws, to see if it was true without, def- without any defects. And Paul's prayer was that in their love and conduct from then until the day of Christ, or which speaks of the rapture and the judgment seat of Christ, that they would be people of the word who were spiritually discerning, abounding in love, sincere believers who lived in harmony with God's program for today. And his prayer was that at that day, when they stood before the Lord at the judgment seat of Christ, that as they were judged by Christ and held up to the light of his word, that their conduct, that their service would be found to be sincere, pure, true, and blameless. And Paul also prayed that they would be without offense. And that literally means to not be a stumbling block. If we wrongly apply the word and live by promises meant for another program, meant for the nation of Israel, we can stumble in the Christian life. And as we stumble, we can also make others stumble around us in life as well. But God doesn't want us to be stumbling blocks. God wants us to be stepping stones. Stepping stones to others trusting Christ as their Savior. To believers seeing the truth of His words. Stepping stones to encourage other believers to grow in Christ and to abound in His love also. And as we live closely by the Word, living by the excellent things for today, in abounding love with sincerity, will be without offense. And Paul's prayer was that this be true until the day of Christ or at the rapture when the Lord catches the church to glory. Philippians chapter 1, verse 11 says, Being filled with the fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory and praise of God. The fourth part of Paul's building block prayer is that our knowledge, discernment, and approval and application of the excellent things for us to live by today within God's Word, that all of this leads us to being filled with the fruits of righteousness. The Word of God gives, as 2 Timothy 3.16 says, it gives instruction in righteousness. As we know the Word and apply it and allow the truths of grace for today to transform our lives, it yields the fruits of righteousness in our lives and living a life Filled with that, as he says, being filled with those fruits. The knowledge and application of God's Word leads believers toward a righteous, godly life. And it can lead us to get to work for the Lord, to lead a fruitful life of service out of gratitude for God's grace, being motivated by the love of Christ to do it all. Paul prayed for a fruitful Christian life for the body of Christ, a life of righteous service and righteous character. Notice how Paul puts it, though, that these fruits of righteousness are not produced by manpower, 
not by our own self-will and our own strength and effort. He says they are by Jesus Christ. Christ produces His fruit in our lives. And He does so as we yield and submit our wills to His, as we grow nearer to Him in our relationship with Him, and as we trust and as we obey His Word. God desires for our life to bear fruit unto Him for His glory. That is His will for each of us. The fruits of righteousness are produced by Christ and are for the glory and praise of God. And that is the purpose of every endeavor in the Christian life. And that is the very purpose of our lives. Colossians chapter 4 verses 2 to 4 read, Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving, with all praying also for us, that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in bonds, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. We find three instructions here in verse 3 about how to pray under grace. And they are very simply to be faithful in prayer, to be watchful in prayer, and to be thankful in prayer. But in verse 3, as Paul speaks of prayer, he gives a prayer request. He asks the Colossians to pray for him. Paul says, with all, praying also for us. Following this example, it's good and it's important for us to ask other people, other members of the body of Christ, to pray for you when you are in need. The term withal means at the same time, or while you're at it, while you're praying, in other words. And he's assuming obedience to continue in prayer. He's assuming that they will obey that. And so he says, while you're praying, while you're at it, pray also for us. Paul's request specifically is that God would open a door of utterance. As he desired a door for the word. He's asking for a door of opportunity to speak God's word and God's truth to others. And Paul's prayer was for any obstacles or barriers to be removed and for a door to be opened wide for the word that he might speak the mystery of Christ, he says. Now the reason Paul calls it the mystery of Christ is because he's referring to the preaching of Christ as he was never preached before in the past. That word mystery means to shut the mouth, and it refers to something God never revealed before. The mystery of Christ is, as Paul puts it in Romans 16.25, the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery, which was kept secret since the world began. The mystery of Christ, Paul, that he's referring to, is the body of truth given to Paul which reveals Christ's heavenly ministry according to what he's doing today in this present dispensation of grace as the glorified, exalted head of the church, the body of Christ who is seated at God's right hand in heavenly places. It is the mystery of Christ because at its center... The focal point of the body of truth that was revealed to Paul for today is the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's the cross of Christ, the preaching of the cross, and all that Christ accomplished for us there. In God's Word, Christ has two ministries. 
The first is an earthly ministry according to prophecy in Israel's covenant. Secondly, he has a heavenly ministry according to the revelation of the mystery and grace. God has two programs in his word and he has two plans for mankind, a program for the nation of Israel and a program for the church, the body of Christ. And for both of these plans and programs, Christ is the foundation of both. God's program for Israel was proclaimed throughout the Old Testament. It was proclaimed in the Gospels and in early Acts. And in all of it, it revealed an earthly kingdom hope with Christ ruling over Israel and all the earth as king, reigning in righteousness and justice and peace from Jerusalem. But with the temporary setting aside of Israel because of her unbelief, God ushered in a program never before revealed in God's Word, which is why it's called the mystery. Christ revealed this program to Paul directly. Under this program, we, the church, the body of Christ, we find that we have our own apostle. We have our own church. We have our own gospel, our own hope, baptism, position, commission, walk, last days, our own return of Christ, our own resurrection, and our own judgment before Christ. God's program for the body of Christ proclaimed in Paul's epistles speaks of salvation by grace through faith alone in Christ alone and of a heavenly hope for those who believe where we are exalted and blessed with all spiritual blessings in Christ in heavenly places. The catching away of the body of Christ at the rapture prior to Israel's prophesied tribulation period closes this program of grace, which has been going on for the last 2,000 years. Following the rapture, the program for the nation of Israel will pick up once again right where it left off and will be carried out just as God's Word says it will and, and that all the promises that have been promised to the nation of Israel will be completely and literally fulfilled. It was for proclaiming the mystery of Christ, Paul says, for which also I am in bonds. So that's the reason he was in prison and he wrote the book of Colossians from prison. So he was in prison for preaching the mystery of Christ, but he doesn't want to stop. He wasn't going to stop because Paul's love for people was deep. It was abiding. And out of his burden and love for people, they needed to know God's message about Christ and his grace and what Christ is doing today. And Paul's desire was for a door of opportunity to be swung open that he might continue to proclaim this message, the good news of Christ crucified and risen again. So as we consider for how to pray under grace, like Paul, we should pray for others to grow in their knowledge of God's Word, to apply it to their lives. We should pray for people to come to the knowledge of the truth of what God is doing today under grace. And we should pray for opportunities to share the truth and to make it known with clarity. Thank you again for tuning in to Transformed by Grace. 
We appreciate your prayer support and the financial gifts. The purpose and mission of the Berean Bible Society is to help you understand the whole counsel of the Word of God. For more information, visit our website at www.bereanbiblesociety.org or give us a call at 262-255-4750. Or if you prefer, write us at the Berean Bible Society, P.O. Box 756, Germantown, Wisconsin, 53022. Now until next time, may you be transformed by God's grace.